Welcome to an AFP Extra. I'm Josh McSwain, joined by Alex Alcazaz, the Bear Man of Texas, good friend of the show. And tonight we're going to talk about a dramatic week in the world of European football. Obviously, you've all heard about the Super League that came and went very quickly. We've got the Champions League semifinals coming up. Some other news out of the Premier League with Jose Mourinho being sacked right before they were going to compete for the League Cup title against Manchester City. All that and more coming up, so let's just get right into it with the obvious, Alex. This whole Super League thing was just unexpected. I know we've heard rumors about it in previous years. And then Sunday, everybody was gung-ho about it. The fans were very fervently against it. And then the clubs just folded out of it like a cheap lawn chair. I've never (laughs) seen anything like this. You know, come to think of it, never have I. And, you know, at at first when all this was coming out, I thought I was actually one of those people. I thought, you know what, maybe this could actually be something very cool because – Look, let's be honest. Soccer, a lot of soccer fans, I would say 80% of them, including you and me, we grow tired of seeing these big clubs like Real Madrid, PSG, Manchester United, Manchester City take on all these small clubs like, like that 90% of the soccer world has never even heard of, like these clubs in, in Belgium or whatever, whatever. But, and I figured if people do want to see more of Chelsea versus PSG, Chelsea versus Real Madrid, Manchester City versus Real Madrid or Barcelona. You know, you want to see more of the big clubs or, you know, like you you want to see more like main event caliber matches rather than see like a big club go against a small club. But, and I said, I'm all for it. If it's suggest, if the proposal suggests it benefits the players, the fans, it benefits everybody, but that's clearly not the case. And when I discovered that, the next day when I did my second episode with a second discussion with, with another expert, I was like, yeah, it's not the case. So I'm not again, I'm not for it. I mean, it's unbelievable how, how much more updates come in within 48 hours. Yeah, that's definitely true. I was trying to break down some of the pros and cons about it. One of the pros, obviously it would generate a lot more money. Not that that really affects you and me, but for those making the decisions, it's a huge pro. Another thing would have been, it would allow more of these middle tier clubs to compete for titles on a regular basis. If, if those super league clubs are off elsewhere and you could have teams like West Ham or Wolverhampton Wanderers that are, you know, competing for league titles and that, and, but that's sort of my American mind. I'm thinking about competitive balance and, You know, the European tradition seems to be a little different where if you're one of those underdog clubs getting a chance to knock out one of the big boys is seemingly more important. At least that's just from from what I've observed. Some other cons to that were you would exclude some of the best players from the World Cup and... But for me, the biggest con and why I didn't think this was really going to work was because if we have all these big clubs playing each other all the time, eventually the thrill of it's going to wear off. 
it's just going to be like, oh, we have Liverpool taking on Juventus this week. Whoop-dee-doo. I mean, honestly, when you see big games like that, I mean, I'd be excited for it. But, but like I said, you know, the fact that there was the threat that any player who's involved in the Super League is going to be banned from, inter- from representing their international uh, – from representing their native countries – I think that's screwed up. I mean, come on. Why punish the players? I mean, the play, the players, you know, look, they have to do what they're saying. I mean, their hands are tied. It's not like they could go to the uh, man, you know, go to the management and say, well, if you do this, then, then I want out, especially when they're on, when they're on a contract that has all these clauses. So it's not that simple, but now yeah. you don't have to worry about it now because it's been abandoned. As of today, the whole thing is gone. So it's been really an amazing 48 hours, and it, and it comes to an end like that. It, it's like a, a movie ending. <laughs> it, it, this whole thing, it, it's like a movie. It's dramatic. It's coming to, coming to a climax. Nobody even knows what's going to happen. It, and then all of a sudden, the whole plan's abandoned. The movie's over. Unbelievable. Honestly, I don't think this is over. I think that they're going to convene under the radar again, and they're going to come up with a new plan, but because I just don't buy that these six English clubs that were, <coughs> just did a complete 180, that they didn't know what they were getting into. I mean, we're, I really just can't believe that Florentino Perez just bamboozled all of them. Like, surely these those six English clubs, they all had lawyers who read whatever agreements, and they said that this was a good idea. Of course, other people suggested that the news of this was that they didn't really intend to do it, that it was all just a negotiating chip they were going to use to siphon more money out of the Champions League or what have you. And honestly, I can buy that. And regarding the Liverpool-Juventus thing, I get why you'd be excited for it at first, but if you're seeing it over and over and over and over again, those mm-hmm. big matchups, they're not big anymore. So that's Especially why the same players, I would have yeah. thought, you know, after a handful of years, it would have just worn out and... Another factor that we haven't really gotten into yet was that Bayern Munich said that they didn't want any part of it. Now, obviously, Munich is a huge club, and Germany is one of the strongest economies in Europe. So without a support of a country and a team like that, you're missing out on a really big piece. And I know France is, is arguably the biggest or second biggest economy in Europe. So no PSG, you're losing out on a ton of it there. And it would have just taken a lot to get this done. And, but yeah, I just, the way it was so dramatic, just almost doesn't seem believable to me. It just doesn't add up that, oh, these owners, they're so... They're all for it. Oh, wait, no, we're not. I mean, it's just like, no, there's got to be more to it. I don't think we've heard the last of it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, when I meant to say, like, it's over, it's like, you know, these these English clubs have dropped out. So, like, for now, like, the whole situation seems to be calmed down. So maybe we can breathe again. And But as far as it being over, yeah, I'm pretty sure that we're going to hear from it again. And, and let, you know, and, and I was reminded on my, on my friend's show that, you no, know, the creation of the Premier League, league was based off of a situation like this like to break away from a 
previous league. Like, like you said, people get bored of something. Like, you know, when it comes to the point where f- soccer evolves and the few, you know, things are becoming different, like you got to break away. Like you got to put in something new because, you know, fans get bored of the same old thing. You got to give them something new. But, and the Premier League was kind of created that way, if, if I remember correctly. Like from what I'm reading is, the competition was founded as, as an FA Premier League back in 1992, following a decision of clubs of the Football League First Division to break away from the Football League, which was founded in 1888, and to take advantage of lucrative television rights deal. So obviously it was about money, right? But it was also about, you know, creating something new. But like I said, there's always going to be like wars in soccer. I mean, soccer is just that sport. I mean, there's all, you know, battles over money, battling over, you know, signing a player. I mean, that's soccer for you. And that, that's what makes it an it's art. True. It's, it's not, the battles aren't just on the freaking pitch. You, you know, it's, it's team. It's not just the players from teams fighting. It's the management from, from opposing clubs fighting over players and, you know, whatever. There's always wars, transfer wars, you know, like I said, like I, I like to say, when it comes to battling for transfers, like Kylian Mbappe, I guarantee you, <laughs> Kylian Mbappe, you know, Real, you know there's actually, uh, I think uh, today, um, uh, Goal released a, a story saying that he's apparently a house hunting in Madrid. Wow. I mean, don't be surprised if Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain engage in a brutal war over the guy. Because believe me, mark my words, uh, Josh, PSG, those guys are going to do whatever it takes to keep Mbappe. I mean, even if they have to dump 20 money trucks on the guy, they don't care. I mean, PSG has that kind of money. I mean, it's, especially because of, the, because of the businessmen who, who run the team and, you know, that's that's how it is. And Real Madrid, they, they expect Real Madrid to do whatever it takes too. I mean, don't be surprised if Liverpool and Manchester City even get involved. True. I mean, as far as Manchester City and Mbappe go, I mean, it's only been slight rumors, but I, I, he's more he's more linked to Liverpool than he is with Manchester City. But it's, because of Liverpool's state, I'm not sure if Mbappe would be interested in going. But but I don't know how Mbappe thinks, but. But but if if you were to go to Liverpool, then I would make it clear. If Mbappe goes to Manchester City or Liverpool, I don't cheer for the clubs. I just cheer for Mbappe. Right. Yeah. But but anyway, go to Mbappe. So um, so yeah. But go back to the wars. I mean, there's always a war in soccer. That's soccer for you. Certainly. But on the note of PSG, let's talk a little bit about the Champions League semifinals, which are coming up here pretty soon. Yes, we've let's. got Man City versus PSG, and we've got Real Madrid against Chelsea. For me, I think the two best teams out of these four are playing each other. I think City and PSG are the two best teams remaining. Now, which is one, which is two? It's debatable. <laughs> oh, well, to say that it's debatable, Josh, well, there's an understatement for you. And you're absolutely right. The two best teams that remain are battling it out. You know, and how... That's a little bit heartbreaking because you want to see the best two battle out, battle it out for the title. But I'm be honest. Number one, I'm actually surprised to see Real Madrid make it this far because you know ever since Ronaldo's departure, Real Madrid just hasn't been the same. And all of a sudden, Real Madrid didn't didn't have a good group, didn't have a good excuse me, a good campaign in the group stage. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they start playing better in the knockout stage. They knock out Atalanta soundly. They beat Liverpool convincingly, although the second leg was very boring. I, you know, those zero-zero scoreless draws where 
where Real Madrid doesn't make the best efforts to score. Liverpool makes all the efforts, but they just can't get it, get the ball into the back of the net. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Real Madrid, you know, and the fact that they, they had to go, they got through Liverpool without Rafael Varane and Sergio Ramos is amazing to me. I mean, so there's that resiliency. So all of a sudden they're starting to, they're starting to look like their own self, like showing that resiliency, that mentality, that winning mentality, the team chemistry, and, you know, the becoming the, the Los Blancos that we saw win the title three times in a row. Well, it seems like they're doing it with different tactics. Before they were more reliant on Benzema, Bale, and Ronaldo lighting it up. They could always put four on you in a hurry. Now it's going to be a lot more grinded out type of games. And honestly, I do think they have an edge over Chelsea in this matchup, and I expect them to move on to the final. Well, speaking for Chelsea, you know, even as a menu fan, it's very, very difficult for me not to cheer for Chelsea in the Champions League because Chelsea has three players that uh, that, that that are important to me. You know, two of them obviously is Engolo Conte and Giroud, the French, the French compatriots of mine, and uh, mm-hmm. the other would be you know our Pulisic. American compatriot, yeah, Christian Pulisic. Which every day I pray the man can stay healthy because you know he's he's talented and we the I mean it's not only that the Chelsea needs him but the U.S. men's national team needs him. I mean he he's our he's like the yep. golden child like we need him. He's our beacon of enlightenment. But but yeah, you know you, you you can't take that from Chelsea because you know it, it's not by they're not in the semifinals by luck. I mean some people some people are saying that it's by luck. I mean that that's just exaggerating. They just don't want to give Chelsea the credit. Look, it doesn't matter who you support. Like you got to give the credit where it's due. Chelsea has yep. played sublime soccer. Okay? You, you can't deny it. And, you know, Thomas Tuchel, you know, it, the fact that, you know, he's doing good, it's not that he ever lost his touch with PSG. It's just things change. And I, I guess the style just didn't fit anymore. So he needed a fresh start, and he's, and he's in a place where things are going well. So, but as far as that goes, I mean, I think it could go either way. Right, right now, because I'm these two teams are kind of unpredictable. You don't know if they can win or lose. Like, they could, anything could happen. But I would say the first leg is certainly going to give a clear answer. But I think overall, Real Madrid might, might honestly could very well make the final. I mean, right. you know, when it comes to Real Madrid, I mean, there's nobody more important to me than, than the manager of Zinedine Zidane. Definitely. So looking ahead to the City and PSG affair, I do wonder if City is going to get somewhat burnt out after their deep runs in the domestic competitions that they have. And I know they have a lot of depth, and I'll give them that. But I also think about the managerial battle. You've got Pochettino going against Pep Guardiola. Obviously, they met a lot whenever Poch was the manager at Tottenham. I do think that... Pochettino is capable of outmaneuvering Guardiola. He's done it before and he can do it again. Absolutely. So Neymar's <laughs> health is going to be another real question for this. And Obviously. Who would be your X factor for PSG in this matchup? 
Honestly, I have to go with killing Mbappe because Mbappe's just been lights out in this knockout stage. You know, scored a hat trick against uh, Barcelona in the round of 16 and scored a brace against Bayern Munich. And those were in the away games, keep in mind. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this PSG team, you know, I've said it many times. I've written this in articles and, and, and people ask, like, why do I always repeat them in articles? It's because I have to remind people because people forget PSG has a huge advantage as far as the depth goes. But their disadvantage is, is mentality and resiliency. I mean, yeah, they have the talent, but when you don't have the focus and the winning mentality, you're not going to get anywhere. And for them to right. actually get past Barcelona and Bayern Munich, two super tough teams, and and show so much resiliency and be so solid on defense, I mean, that's something. I mean, the fact that <clears> – <throat> Excuse me. That that resiliency that we saw against Bayern Munich, I've never seen PSG be so resilient and so and so heavily solid on that defense. So if they can do that against Manchester City, if that PSG defense can remain super solid for any attacks uh, attempted by the Manchester City attack, then PSG can win. But they're gonna have to. They're gonna need to score. Like Mbappe is really gonna have to step it up. I mean that zero zero that one lot. Nothing lost to Bayern Munich when Neymar just made that horrible miss. I mean, even Mbappe had a bad miss of his own. I'm like, no, none of that anymore. Like, you got to put the ball in the back of the net now. Because, <coughs> excuse me, because and we talk about resiliency as well. Manchester City's got unique resiliency. I mean, we saw that in, in their second leg against Borussia Dortmund. And they mm-hmm. have a winning mentality. And Manchester City has chemistry. They play as a team. They all trust each other. I'm not saying PSG doesn't, but... You don't see it all the time. Manchester City, you see that all the time. There's a difference between in chemistry. PSG, it's every now and then. But for Manchester City, it's more often. Certainly. And the interesting thing with Manchester City is that Guardiola has not led them past the quarterfinals in the Champions League until now. Mm-hmm. The only other time that City made it to the semis, Manuel Pellegrini was in charge. And there have been some matchups where I thought City had the advantage and they should have won, like a couple years ago with Tottenham. Of course, I still remember that one goal that was brought back because I think it was Aguero that was offside or something that allowed Tottenham to advance, steal that well, victory. I think Aguero scored, but I, well, I know that. I mean, I know, I know the moment you're talking about. I don't remember how exactly it went. I just remember, even though I, I'm a Man U guy, I mean, I'll be honest. If if people ask me, did I find the whole thing funny as a Man U fan? I'm like, nope. Because this is not about the rivalry between Man U and Man City. This is about the reputation of soccer. And when stupid mm-hmm. things like that happen, the reputation gets hit, dude. I mean, no question. even as Man U fans, we don't want to see Man City get screwed out of this. I mean, come on. I mean, it doesn't make things any better. But... But honestly, I, I I think Aguero put the ball in the back in the net. But and I remember it was a lengthy it was a lengthy uh, check too, by the way. And then the referee just finally decides, yeah, no goal. And, and the fact that it took a while, I mean, I was like, yeah, if it takes that long, there's a ninety percent chance the goal gets erased. And it's a shame. It's a shame too, really. Right. But anyways, you think about that and you contrast it with PSG (laughs) having been in the final last year and Pochettino having gotten to the final before 
I do wonder if PSG could have a little bit of a mental advantage in this game, but I don't know. It's really tough to say. Well, they definitely want the title. I mean, PSG over the last few years have basically won everything there is to win except the Champions League. That's what they want. I mean, keep in mind, only one French club has won the Champions League, and that was Olympique de Marseille back in 1993. Uh, In uh, 2004, Monaco went to the final, but they didn't win. PSG obviously was in the final last year, but it didn't win. So, you know, PSG wants to bring a Champions League back to France, you know. And obviously, you know, in PSG's case, you know, to get those Marseille fans to to shut up because, you know, they're they're still kind of – they still have the bragging rights over that, but – but, you know, champions, as far as PSG goes, I mean, I would hope that they have the focus because, you know, we've seen them get cocky before after they pull off a huge, massive win, you know, against a big team and they go to the next round, they get clobbered. So I, I, all I could say is I hope they've learned from their, their past mistakes. I mean, so far it seems like they have, but, you know, they still have one hell of an obstacle to go through in, in Manchester City. I mean, if they do beat Manchester City and they have to face Real Madrid, well, Real Madrid's tough too. <laughs> Certainly are. You don't want to see any team managed by Zinedine Zidane. I mean, Zinedine Zidane is just is, is a brilliant mind. He sure is. Now I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to go talk about the Tottenham situation a little bit. Obviously, they got rid of Jose Mourinho somewhat abruptly right before they were going to play in the League Cup final. I thought at least Mourinho could bring one trophy in during his time with Spurs. Well, it didn't happen. That's really sad, too. You know, believe it or not, this is actually the first time that Mourinho has left a club without winning a without winning a title. And in addition to that, he leaves Tottenham with a 51-win percentage, which is the lowest in his career. I mean, I'll be honest. Yep. Look, I, I know that Mourinho, obviously, uh, you know, he the arrogance, you know, he's cocky. I mean, look, I get it. He is, but you know what? Be- because of how, because of his accomplishments, you know, he's got the right to be. But look, <coughs> excuse me. But whether you like the guy or not, there's there's no point of denying, you know, he, he's a brilliant mind in soccer. I mean, we may not agree with how he does his tactics and, we, you and I, obviously, we are not satisfied with the fact that he likes to park the bus, but but, but the dude knows how to build a team. I, I mean, it, yes. it's, unfor- it's, it's unfortunate that things in Tottenham didn't last long. I mean, he got off to a decent start, and let's not forget, back in December, Tottenham was the best team in the Premier League. They were. It went, you know, they lost their first game to Everton. Then they went on a, an unbeaten run that, that was about 84 days. Well, what, what, yeah, about 84 days. It went from, like, you know, September. I think it ended, like, December when they lost to Liverpool. And and then since then, you know, things, you know, started losing games. They, you know, started suffering injuries. And then, boom, it just, you know, they, they could never recover. I mean, all of a sudden, right. they're, you know, they're in first place. And all of a sudden, you know, they lose to Liverpool. They go to second. And then I think that by that next week, they were in fourth. And then in fifth. And then dropped down to tenth. Yeah, just got away from them. I mean, you know, it's like Manchester United. Manchester United, you know, briefly had the first place position, so it was Mm -hmm. fun while it was fun while it lasted. Indeed. 
So I've also been wondering about Harry Kane, if he's going to leave Spurs this summer. Been a lot of rumors about that. Do you think he's going to be gone? Um, I mean, yeah, uh, the rumor, yeah, I have heard that if uh, if Tottenham finishes without qualifying for the Champions League or the Europa League, yeah, the, I, did see a, I did see a report that says Kane's going to demand a transfer, and you can't blame him because he's too talented. He, you know, he deserves better. It's not fair for him to be stuck in this position. You know, horrible managing, you know, the club, the club's management, not, not doing a good job. You know, it, it would be no, it's no wonder he'd want out. And if he'd transfer it out, I mean, I, I don't know where he could end up. He, he could go to Arsenal, but I doubt that he'd want to go there. Uh, I mean, there, there's these small reports. That even Man U would have, you know, looked at the chance. If there was a chance to get him, Man U would have looked into it, but I really doubt that. Real Madrid definitely wouldn't. Real Madrid would probably briefly take a look at him, but then they would say, "Nah, we want we want Mbappe. We want the young kid." Right. Um, Harry, if Harry Kane is transferred out, I mean, there's I'm sure there's great opportunities out there. You know, if Lionel Messi were to leave Barcelona, and then you know, imagine if Harry, if Barcelona tar- tar- targets Harry Kane, there, there could be that, that door could open. But as far as I know, I honestly believe he could stay in England. Yeah, I think there's a more than likely chance that he would remain in the Premier League somewhere. And I was thinking about the possibility of him joining Manchester United. Would you want him there at all? I mean, obviously price would make a difference, but let's say the price was reasonable. Would you want him as a red devil or not. I'm gonna be honest, I probably wouldn't because we have a young we, we have a young guy, a very talented and very underrated guy by the name of Marcus Rashford. I would think it's unfair. True. It would be unfair to Marcus Rashford if we brought in Harry Kane because if we bring in Harry Kane, I would feel like we're just holding Rashford back. That's why at the end of the year, I don't think Cavani stays. I think you know, we need we need to st- start sticking with the buildings of Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford because these two guys are you know they're young, they're talented, and they have a future. And we need you know, and, and if if they've been with us for a while, you know, it, and you know, every time you give them a chance, you see them deliver. So you have something magnificent here. So it would be it would be a bad move not to take advantage of it. Like you you got to take them to the next level. So in my honest opinion, it, you, we'd be better off. Sticking with Marcus Rashford, I'm not saying Harry Kane's terrible, but Marcus Rashford is a prized possession of Manchester United, so we might as well stick with him. Otherwise, what's the point? That's true. Obviously, they're he and Greenwood are two young guys with great chemistry, play with great pace. I just kind of get frustrated at some of their inconsistency at times. But then again, that comes with being a young player. My real question is, is Rashford going to be a world-class talent someday? Do you think he has that type of potential? Well, he's definitely made a difference as far as, far as you know, outside, outside the pitch. Like, you know, like that thing he did with the pandemic, you know, you know, feed the, the kids and everything. So he's doing something. He's making a difference. So he's definitely getting his respect and as far as i know he hasn't been getting in trouble so oh so, yeah, yeah he's so, definitely yeah, so, a great guy yeah, there's so no for, doubt yeah, about yeah. That. and you know in his behavior you know there's never any 
there's never any stories about players saying he's arrogant, he's cocky. I'm like, you know, at the end of the you know, I, I guess he's just a dude who wants to he's, – he's just – all he wants is a chance to play. If you give him that chance, he'll give you everything he has. And, you know, he, and, you know obviously he, he can't give you the best results all the time. But, but when Marcus Rashford, you know, most of the goals he scores, they're, they're things of beauty. It's not just, not just a True. simple goal that goes in the net. I mean, those are things that you just want to get off the couch and scream, golasso. But as far as that, you know, and I honestly believe Greenwood and Rashford can do a lot of things with a dynamic midfield duo of Paul Pogba and Bruno Bruno Fernandez. Speaking of Pogba, I've noticed things that he's been doing great. I mean, he's not scoring goals, but he's providing assists. He's like dribbling the ball, and you know, things are starting to look are, are looking better. I mean, we just got to hope that he can stay healthy, but and stay motivated. That seems stay to be his yeah. main problem. Yeah. He'll just looks like he's going through the motions part of the time, and other <laughs> times he'll look like he's world class, and it's kind of frustrating. I guess my thought is, if Kane were to join, I would be all for it, but you might have to adjust and play a four-three-three, something like that, where you could put Rashford up top on the left. You'd have Kane in the center and Greenwood on the right. I don't think this is necessarily all that likely. But, you know, you have a top-of-the-line finisher in Harry Kane. I feel like that is what United really needs right now. It's not the only thing they need, mind you, which kind of leads me to the next point of well, what other pieces are you? do you think United needs to get back to the top of the Premier League? Well, they have a young midfielder, Donny van de Beek. You know, lately there's been talks about him being being not not being happy. He, he, obviously, like he has not played his best. I mean, he's he's not perfect, obviously, and he's a young guy. You know, the young young Dutch midfielder, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure things will be fine. But you know, I, I can only hope Manu has plans for him. I mean, Manu spent money on the guy, so it would not be good if he. What's the point of spending the money if you don't even want to use him? But but is in the in the future, well. I'm not sure as, as far as the budget goes. I'm, I'm I'm unaware of the current situation of uh of the Red Devils uh budgeting uh spending whatever how you want to call it. But I don't expect any big any big signings this season. I mean I, I don't think it's really necessary. I mean you just got to hope that everybody can stay healthy, especially Anthony Martial. But they're gonna have to figure out something. Like if they could if they could do a three midfield system with Fernandez, Pogba, and Donny Van de Beek. It would certainly be a thing of beauty because you know you got these three big names. I mean, Van de Beek's already a big name, especially in his native Holland. So, and you know, and I like how you mentioned that four three three. Like, uh, well, imagine like, well, if we have if we have the three midfield set, if you do like like how Didi Deschamps does for France, you do four, like like four defenders, and then you know, well, if you were to use like two midfielders like that, I, I would suggest a a scheme that would go four midfield, uh, four defenders, three midfielders. Two forwards and a sole striker, a four-three-two-one scheme. I'm sure it's been used before. If you have all these players mm-hmm. like that, I'm, I'm sure that's something that would work, especially if, if you had if you probably had Harry Kane. True. My thought is, if you have the midfield trio of Pogba, Fernandez, and Abake, they're not the strongest defensively, and you're going to have to have massive improvements on the defense if you're going to be able to sustain that. Now, I think the defense is not as bad as some people make it out to be, particularly Lindelof. 
I think he's a decent player who gets a little too much flack. My only thought is he and McGuire are a little too similar, and I feel like Lindelof is essentially just an inferior version of McGuire. <laughs> they struggle with aerial balls, kind of both of them. They're, McGuire does have more offensive presence than Lindelof does. And Juan Basaka, he's been good for the most part, but he's been caught out of position a few times this year. And then left back, well, that's just been a saga in and of itself for a long time with Luke Shaw and Brandon Williams, among all the other guys. So it seems like there's some young guys win United system that could be pretty good eventually. And so I'm trying to figure out what the club wants to do. Is it trying to just build for the future or do they want to win now? Obviously the fan base is like, we want to win now, spend the money. I don't care. But then again, if you're just building up and tearing down all the time, then guys aren't going to get chemistry together and they're not going to compete for titles. It's a really delicate balance that we got to strike. I mean, I kind of feel like, Another center back should be a priority, maybe even more than acquiring a top striker. Lindelof, I want to keep him around because I think he's a really good third center back. That that would be my ideal setup for him. And then if we could somehow acquire a shutdown left back, I would just be over the moon. <laughs> I would I definitely would be. And you know you're you're right. I mean the menu defense is it's average to below average. Sometimes it's fair to say mediocre, but but sometimes I do feel like people take things too far. Look, I get it. Manu spent a lot of money investing in Harry Maguire, bringing him in from I believe Sheffield United. Harry Maguire has had his moments. He's had he's had good moments, but people just people refuse to talk about that. That that's the problem, Josh. When it comes to, you know, talk about the negativity, people just want to focus on the negatives but never want to talk about the positives. And mm-hmm. and then when I try to bring up the positives from Harry Maguire, people just smile like like he's never had a positive moment. Like, look, he's a defender. I mean, and, and you know, the problem with those people is, like, they don't know how brutal it is to, to, play, to, to play defense in soccer. Like, keep in mind, it's not like in football. You can't use your hands. You can't just jump and make tackles. Like, you literally got to – Run, you know, you, you got to sacrifice some. You know, there's all, there's some of the things you got to do that you never would have dreamed of. But, but as far as like whether win now or build for the future, I mean, how long have we been in this situation where we're building for the future? I mean, and that's not gotten us anywhere. And the fact that we haven't won any hardware since 2017, I mean, that's humiliating. Like we have to win some freaking hardware. Certainly, seems like it's been ever since, sir. Alex retire that we've been like all right now this is going to be it and nope doesn't pan out that way but I'll, honestly I'll, I think they'll never they'll, jar... we'll never be another guy like him again I can guarantee you we'll never yes. have a manager like Sir Alex again right it's but, sad, that note, but it's true I think old Gunnar Solskjaer I think he can lead United back to the top I think he's he's been getting better with his tactics ever since he took over the club. And I think you just get him a couple more players. I think he can do it. May not be next year. It may be the year after that, but I think it certainly is possible. 
Because I feel like Man City has probably about peaked, plateaued, however you want to put it. I'm not sure if they're going to get demonstrably better, and their core is, is starting to get older. Obviously, Sergio Aguero is going to be gone. Kevin De Bruyne and oh, some of those guys. Speaking of De Bruyne, uh, he got hurt. He's been hurt recently. There was a rumor that he got hurt. Right, but the point of all this is: Do you think that Solskjaer is capable of leading United to the top of the Premier League? I do. It, it, it's been a tough road for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know. And the way I I, uh, I see him is, is like you know the the fact that when Jose Mourinho got sacked. You know, and he's brought in just like that. Like he's he's thrown in the mix where the club's a mess. He's he's kind of rushed into the situation where what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So, and and people laugh at me when I bring that up. Like, look, I get it; it's an excuse, but you don't know what it's like. You know, to be appointed manager in the middle of a freaking crisis that you don't even know how to. There's you don't even know which way is the way to get out, and anything you do is a huge, significant risk, but. What I don't like, okay, so if the defense plays bad, I mean, it's not on only it's not only Gunnar Solskjaer's fault that the defenders can't do their damn jobs, okay? It's not like, mm-hmm. okay, his job is not to tell the guys, this is how you make a stop, this is how you do this, okay? They should know that already, especially because right. these guys are adults. Now, only Gunnar Solskjaer, okay, he deserves a bit of the blame because keep in mind, you can't just blame every, you can't blame one guy, but only Gunnar Solskjaer, as far as I know, there's been no bad blood between him and the players. There's been these little rumors that him and Pogba might have had something before, but really I kind of feel like that those might have been all, all a ruse because if there had been a problem, believe me, this would be something we'd, we'd be hearing about constantly. I mean, we heard that constantly with with uh, the problems between Jose and Pogba, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, it's just because the – I honestly believe that I'm, – I'm sorry, my head is, is just so spinning. The adrenaline is kicking in. But the reason, why, in my honest opinion, why Solskjaer – why it's taken him forever to to make the team relevant, why he still hasn't won anything, it's it's because of the situation of, of how he started. Like, like I just said, he was thrown into a mix when the team was in chaos, when there was nothing positive going around. And he – and even though he's he was a hell of a player, I mean, keep in mind, I mean, he, he's the reason why they won the title in 1999. True, but the fact that you know the team's in turmoil, it's in chaos. The dude who the dude you know the previous leader is is fired, and you got to you're thrown in, into this mess. You're trying to sort it out. You know, it's been tough because I knew that it would take him a while to to clean this up and then try to build on it. So, so maybe at this point, he's finally starting in the direction of building. But we can only it keeps going, but he's gonna have he's gonna have to tell the Glazers, look, you guys are gonna have to cut me some slack. Like we're gonna need to make some some right investments, but we're gonna have to sell players too. We can't just have all these. We can't just bring in players and then have a crowded lineup. I mean, all these players, these guys want to play. We don't need this kind of. We don't need these chaos and you know drama in the freaking clubhouse. That's true. And on that note, we saw that Ed Woodward stepped down as chairman of the club after the whole super league drama so what was your reaction to that obviously a lot of united fans on twitter were very happy about it my question is okay who are we going to get now and 
will this be a situation of meet the new boss? He's the same as the old boss. I sure hope not. Well, let me ask you, was Woodward any good at his position? During, at his position, like, did, did it do us any good? Nope. Well, then no wonder that menu fans are, are so happy. You know, <clears throat> but the truth is, like, while it's good that he's gone, and the question is who takes over, menu fans, I guarantee you this, they will not be satisfied until the Glazers are gone. Oh, there's no doubt about I that. I mean, you know, you know, the Glazers, people don't know the Glazers have been around since uh, since the days of Eric Cantona. I mean, keep on Eric Cantona had a pro, you know, did not like. From what I know, like he and the Glazers, you know, kind of didn't weren't on the same page. I mean, keep in mind, I mean, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of players probably weren't, but yeah. But as far as that goes, I mean, until the Glazers are gone, I mean, Manu's future is is still is still gray clouds. It's still dark clouds. It's like, it's it's the same situation with the Dallas Cowboys as far as Jerry Jones goes. Like in Manu's case, as long as the Glazers are in charge, then the future remains uncertain. But as far as the uh, – what what position was it that he was around? Was it the GM or – I'm sorry, my mind's blank. He was vice chairman, I believe. Vice vice chairman, okay. Well, they're going to have to hire the right man. And when it comes to making that kind of hire, you know, this is the same thing I said when it comes to selecting a head coach or or anything, like in any sport. you got to lay your options on the table. You got to interview at least three guys, okay? You don't want to rush the process, okay? You you you, you got to take your time. I mean, if if this guy doesn't want to wait, I mean, if one of the candidates does, doesn't want to wait, well, then you know you got to get over that. Like, they, even they have even they have to understand, you know, you're in a situation like you you, you got to weigh out the pros and the cons. You got to weigh out all the options. So, I just hope that the that man you in their process they take it seriously and they do the right thing. I mean, enough is enough. Okay, this club hasn't been good for a long time. I mean, come on, you know we're one of the most influential clubs in the world. You know we have a we're, we're we have a huge fan base. Okay, I mean, and the fact that we're not we're not even a very good club that we can't even win the Premier League title. You know we haven't won anything in four freaking years. I mean, it's unacceptable. Like we got to give that positive vibe. Like we got to go back to winning because apparently that's what the Glazers have forgotten about. It, it, it's it's about the freaking it's about winning. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like with the Cowboys, it's about winning. Okay, if you're not winning, you're not getting anywhere. True. And the last bit on United, going to ask about the goalkeeping situation with De Gea and Dean Henderson. Obviously, Henderson is not quite as good as De Gea is, even though I think De Gea plateaued maybe two years ago. I think De Gea is going to be gone this summer because it does seem like Henderson has been given the reins as the number one keeper. So, obviously, we can tell already that Henderson doesn't quite have the chemistry with the center backs that De Gea did because there have been a couple times where Henderson has run up on a ball that the defender didn't seem to be expecting, and he and the defender was thinking he was going to play the ball, and it's just – was somewhat chaotic. We saw this in the opening minute against Burnley. Got bailed out because the flag was up, and yeah, that was humiliating. And, and the fact that it was ten seconds into the freaking game. I know. Yeah, yeah. What a miracle! 
But yeah, but anyways, it started off cut you off. It's just that what you reminded me of, of how like that freaking offside goal is what's it, that offside flags what saved him. You're just like, I mean, wow, like yeah, the goose the goosebumps just reappeared. Right. So, would you agree that De Gea is gone this summer? Oh, definitely. But it's been a long time coming. Man, you fans have yeah. wanted him. You know, it's sad too because at one point De Gea was, in fact, possibly the, the best. best goal, the best in England. You know, I respect the man. Look, no matter what, look, I respect him. All right, look, he, every goalkeeper in history has made clumsy efforts. Okay, I bet you Oliver mm-hmm. Kahn. You know, Oliver Kahn did in the 2002 World Cup final. You know, Fabian Barthez, uh, the legendary French goalkeeper, he made mistakes too. Look, everybody makes mistakes. Okay, it's true. But <clears throat> the problem with De Gea. I can't say that he was not committed to getting better. I'm sure he was, but things just were not working out. And sometimes I feared that he was getting to the point where he was losing his passion for the game. And I really hope that's not true because <clears throat> he's a good, he's a, he's still a good goalkeeper. He's not as obviously he's not like the caliber he was at one point, especially when man, you got him. But, you know, I do think he's gone and, I think wherever he goes, it's going to be the best for him because it's, it's going to be a fresh start. Whether he goes to France, he goes to his native Spain, or hell, if he goes to the MLS, gets a huge paycheck, plays for you know Washington or plays in Miami or wherever, it's going to be a fresh start. And you know he may be able to, if he's lost a bit of passion, he'll fully regain it. But I want to, I'm really going to give you my thoughts on Dean Henderson. Look, <clears throat> Henderson's done good, but he can do better. Like you just said, like. It seems that he and the defenders are not always on the same page. That needs to change. But because right. he's younger, I think he needs to he needs to follow the he needs to follow the directions from the defenders. Like he needs to kind of listen to what the defenders are telling him. Especially because, you know, I mean, how old is Henderson? Like 20, 21? I don't know off the top of my head, but with that, some of that's just gotta come with time. You, chemistry doesn't just develop overnight. Exactly. But regarding De Gea, there's no way he ends up in the MLS. I still think he has the tools to be a top 10, 15 goalkeeper in the world. So I would could see him going to a team like, well, I'm not sure exactly of the some of these teams' goalkeeper situations, but PSG, Hoovy. I don't think he'd end up at Real or Atletico because their keeping situations seem to be pretty solid with Courtois and with Jan Oblak. I know he came up with Atletico Madrid. I don't know if he'd go to Barca, and I know they have Ter Stegen anyway. So I don't know if he'd go to Inter or AC Milan. I still think – doesn't AC Milan still have Donnarumma? I believe so, but yeah, so he but, but because of David De Gea's popularity, because of how well he is known, there's there are opportunities out there for him, way beyond the MLS. I mean, the MLS is merely a suggestion, but uh, honestly, when it comes to being a European superstar, the MLS is usually the last stop to find to pick up the yes. to pick up the, just a few couple of paychecks and then retire. I mean, I, I, I I'm still sticking by my gun by saying I still think Ronaldo is going to play in the MLS. I mean, he would be a huge name that a lot of fans here would recognize and could generate a lot more interest in it. 
here's one kind of out there suggestion. What about De Gea going to Everton? I mean, they've kind of they've sort of lost confidence in Pickford, from what I can tell. They were to bring in a player of De Gea's caliber. Ooh, you may have something here. If if that's the case, Everton will be a suitable place for him. If they trust De Gea, and De Gea likes the program, and obviously, obviously, if they offer him the right the right amount of money, and they say, "Well, you're going to be the starter and everything," then I'm sure I'm sure Everton will be his next home. I mean, like I said, because of you know, he is regarded as one of the best goalkeepers in the world. It's just mm-hmm. sad that he's kind of he's he's kind of lost a, a few steps, and but I'm sure he can get it back. You know, he's actually he's 30, so you know yeah. he he still has you know a, 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 he still has a bit left to offer. He just needs the chance to you know redeem himself. He, so I honestly believe if he goes to Everton, has that fresh start, he can actually show signs of his old self. He can like re like be fully passionate again. You know, clear. You know, get rid of all the negativity that's been bothering him. You know, go someplace. You know, where where, where things are new. Like you know, he has a fresh start. You know, it's a new day. It's it's like it's a new day for him, basically. Yeah, I'm not sure he needs redemption. I think he's done more than enough because there were years that he kept United in the race for the Europa League or whatnot. When without him, they would have been mid table because there were some bad years in the last five years, and he's just been carrying the team on his back. And I wonder if he got worn out at some point of having to be the guy all the time for this Man United team. Now, I guess thinking more about Spain, his homeland, I don't know if Sevilla would be a fit for him. I don't know if Sevilla could afford him. That's kind of a problem. (laughs) I don't know how intent he would be on going to Spain or not, just because he's a Spaniard. Well, you know, I, some players, you know, they take they take discount deals to to return to their homeland. It's happened before, but based on what you say, you know, Everton is is very likely a possibility. You know, you know, believe it or not, uh, there was actually uh, uh, not long ago I saw reports PSG is even is even uh, interested in the guy That's because not surprising. Kevlar Navas is believed to be leaving at the end of the season. I mean, Kevlar, Kevlar Navas, you know, there was rumors that he was going to retire. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the case, but I mean, we all know, you know, Kevlar Navas, you know, the former, uh, you know, long the long time uh, Real Madrid goalkeeper, but uh, as far as I know it. <laughs> Excuse me. It's not clear why he's leaving. I mean, all we know is that the contract is expiring. Right. De Gea would certainly be an upgrade for PSG for Navas. And like you said, PSG, they've got deep pockets. I would think that PSG would probably be the betting favorite. Although, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of other teams that would want to see if they could secure De Gea's services. Well, that just about wraps it up for me. I've really enjoyed having you on for a big-time soccer segment. You got anything else on your mind? Well, I just want to say that I'm very thankful that you had me on. It's always an honor to be on your show, and and I'd love to have you back on my show sometime soon, buddy. Yeah, we'll certainly have to arrange that. So that wraps it up for me. On behalf of 
Alex Alcazaz, Bear Man of Texas. I'm Josh McSwain. Thank you for listening to this AFP Extra. We'll see you next time.